0: job rankings. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, if you you', if you to rank these jobs, which are the most important, typically the waiter and the maid would be down there on the lower lower end. How might people treat a maid or waiter differently than a judge, CEO, or accountant? CEO. Exactly. Exactly right. They would ignore this because the maid and waiter, because they're just a little bit beneath me. Now, Why might we? Because their jobs are all about serving. People tend to see people who serve them as less important than themselves. And whether we want that to be true or not, I'm not saying everybody, but the world, I'll make a generalization. The world itself would see that. I trust that we don't. There's an aversion to certain to servanthood. If you're following along on your book, which I thought this was quite a humorist, that's why I wanted to get your get your books out with me here for just a moment. One eleven. I've told you a thousand times before. Throw your dirty socks in the clothes hamper for the umpteenth time. Which I very rarely see that printed. Umpteenth time. Put your shoes in the shoe basket when you come in the door. Who do you think I am? Your maid, take your plate to the kitchen. Now, what do you say when you find a mess that someone has left for you to clean up? Why should I clean up after him, possibly? Why do most people not like to pick up after others? Why do you think that, possibly? Germs. (laughs) Don't <laughs> pick up after ourselves. <laughs> we don't like to. I was not I, the downstairs, whatever, ever. Some uh, anyway. I cleaned that off there this, this evening, whatever. Just like you probably do the same thing. People don't want to be No, we to. Hum, I cleaned it. I cleaned the toilet where I work. Do not like. And I'm thinking if you use a toilet. And you messed it up, then you should clean it up. That should be a normal thing. I, I just—that's common sense. You messed it up, you clean it up. But I tell you, the other guys at the office—they can just stay. They can come, and go for day, two or three days, and they don't doesn't bother. It must not bother them in the slightest. I don't know. But when we think about servanthood, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of press given to servanthood because no one really wants. To, we're not told we should be servants. We're told we should be the leaders. We should be the ones in charge. We should have the whatever it takes to be important type thing. When you, like this, when someone presu- presumes upon our service, we sometimes conclude that they must think themselves better than us. Now, I will have to say, I have felt that way. Someone presumes that, well, Tim will clean it up. Or look, that guy in the office down there, he'll clean it up. And I just, you know, you've got two hands. You've you got two feet. You know, they all work well, too. It's not just a, its just not just my job. We are to share this job together. So when they do that, conversely, when someone serves us, we sometimes think of them as less important to us. He's only parking the cars. And we went to the sight and sound thing on Saturday night. I'm telling you, had like three or four people there. It's important when it's completely sold out. You've got to park people in the right place. You've got to put the buses over there blah, 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 and all these different things. And you, Here's where you go. It's an important job. Can you imagine that uh, when you get all these out, I don't know how many cars it is, what one or two thousand cars, I don't know, out at one time without people direction? That's very important. I like what someone said. Depends on what job you're doing. The the waiter, when I'm going to the restaurant, that's a very, very important person, far more important than the owner, because the waiter's gonna bring the food to me. Matter of fact, the cook might even be more important than the waiter. So biblically speaking, we're coming to this the only other office other than pastor, designated in Scripture. And that is a deacon. So deacons are servants. Now, you may have heard this, and this is a phrase, I like what this, we've read the lesson. I trust some people have read the lesson. By the way, before I forget, we only have one more lesson. There's something you'd like to study on Wednesday nights. If you maybe drop me an email or mention it to me, whatever, or just say, could we maybe study this for a little while? I'd like to talk, well, could we venture into that? We've got one more week in the book, and then we're going on. To have something we can do, but if someone wants something particular, then this will be your time to ask, if possible. So we have this phrase, and uh, we've sort of borrowed it from the world, in a way. The board of deacons—really, that's not—that's not really what it is. There can be a chair of the deacons. There can be the minister deacons, but. The, when you talk about a board, you talk about a group of people that are going to oversee and make decisions. Listen, the decision process of our church is with the congregation, not with the board of deacons or the pastor. So, yes, deacons are to serve, and so we might want to. If you read your book ahead, you might want those are some words we might want to just sort of lay aside this idea of a board. Now, there are board of elders. So, what do you think the board of elders does for a church? The board of elders tells that it makes the definitive decisions for the church rather than having a vote. Uh, probably other contexts, maybe not quite so much as that, but I think that's what the whole purpose of a board of elders. So let's go right to our scripture. So I want us to think about, which I believe you already know, that the purpose of a deacon is to serve. By the way, we are all to serve in some capacity. My wife and I decided very early on in marriage... Uh, if you do, are doing a job at home, you do it your way because you are doing the work. You don't have. To, I don't have to do her. You know, she can hang her clothes the wrong way in the closet all these years, and I can hang mine in the right way. But that's it's. it's she's hanging them up. She puts them the way she wants. So except with my clothes, and they have to go a certain way on my hangers. But for her, it's okay. She, we can. We can. If you're sweeping, if you're if you're running the sweeper. There you go. You can. It's your choice where you start. If you're driving, if you're mowing the yard, you can go circles around the yard like that if you want, or you can mow the right way. Uh, it's either way. Or you can run over one of my flowers. Just a, it even came back and grew the rest of the. My lawnmower has no brakes, so that's why actually no one's uh, rides my mower but me pretty much. And I've almost run out in the car. I've almost run over the bank myself, so I really don't want to. It, it doesn't have a. I bought it from Lauren. Lauren says the pastor doesn't have any brakes i thought it won't be a problem i think it not be a problem <clears throat> well we you know it could be a problem especially when you're heading over the bank and you pop the clutch and it just, oh, anyway we'll just go right on thank the lord for his mercy upon us so the qualifications we read right here from scripture it says verse three uh, eight likewise must the deacons now we talked about this a couple weeks ago or last week about the bishop there's one bishop by the way Playing the, oh, I almost said the devil's advocate. Playing the other side of the story. If, just cause it says a bishop, it doesn't mean it has to be limited to just one bishop there. It is a, a bishop. If you're going to be a pastor, there could be a multiplicity of pastors, but clearly in eight, it's plur, the plurality. Likewise, must the deacons Be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy, of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them be used the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used, served as the office of a deacon, well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. So real briefly, there's going to be a lot longer we could spend on this, but we're going to try to cover it tonight. The qualifications of a deacon, now there's only one missing. Do you know which one between the pastor and the deacons is missing? Does anybody know off the top of your head? Skilled in teaching. Doesn't mean the pastor is supposed to be that the deacons can be, but they don't have to have that as one of the qualifications, Uh, but many of them are, ours are here, and so we're very privileged, very wonderful to have that. But they don't have to. That's the one thing missing if you compare the two. First of all, blameless, unreprovable, unac- unaccused in chapter verse 10. Found blameless. Uh, it does not mean sinless. I told one of the funerals yesterday, I said, I'm not sinless by any means. But we have a sinless Savior. It doesn't mean we want to sin, but we still do. But we, one day we will be glorified, the anticipation of glorification. One day we will be glorified and be like Christ, the sin will be gone. So we find that they are to be blameless, they are to uh, not be involved in filthy lucre, which, of course, is eager for base gain or greedy of money, not double-tongued. The book did not cover double-tongued, so I looked it up, and only time used in Scripture, uh, in the New Testament. Uh, According to Strong's, a saying, one thing with one person, another thing with another person, with the intent to deceive so you're double-tongued, you're hypocritical, you are saying one thing uh, one way and doing, living the other way, etc., so they're not to be that, so blameless, uh, no credible charge of scandal, uh, a lives of transparency, not only that, they are to be B is a faithful husband, faithful husband as well, uh, it says for us here, Deacons uh, must be husbands of one wife ruling their children in their own house as well. Majority view is that they don't have to be married and don't have to have children to be a deacon. That's the majority view. Uh, but if they are married, which I think it is good for a deacon to be married as much as possible. It will help him with his thought life and other things, etc. And we find, this but that's not a requirement, obviously. I don't think it is. Uh, a pastor, a deacon, they should be, if, if possibly, married. Perhaps they are, are like his brother, Bud, a widower, Uh but the children in subjection, as long as they're under their household, once the children grow up, it's my thinking, once the children are out of the house, that changes for the responsibility. You raise them as best you can, but once you, once I was out of my parents, under, didn't put my feet under their table, I'm responsible. Of course, I'm responsible anyway, but you don't want to reflect. I don't want to reflect bad on my dad now, and he's been in heaven since 2009. But that that's part of the, the qualifications, if you would, of uh, free from scandal, I like what it says in our book here. It says, he must be absolutely faithful and devoted to his wife. Not only adultery, but flirtatiousness is a disqualification for both offices. So it's, it's, you take the high road every time. When it comes to interaction with the opposite sex, you're taking the high road all the time. And now I have to be careful interaction with the same sex. Because you didn't have to watch that before. I remember in India, in, in two thousand five, in India, guys would go down the road with the art, and they were just—I mean, they were normal men, cisgendered men, and, and they would—they would, they would just—I mean, they were just friends, thought nothing of it. And the husbands and wives couldn't even hold hands in India. There was very much of a taboo of physical a touch. I mean, it may have changed, but on the campus of where that uh, where I was, there was. To, I never saw a husband and wife kiss, let alone hardly hold hands. But now we've got a culture now, it's, it's changed. The first, what's the first thing you think when you see, the first thing I think when I see is two men walking close together is they are together. And I, we were at uh, somewhere, it was Friday or Saturday, and two older men, and they were holding pinkies as they walked up, I think, oh, they're probably together. They were holding their pinkies together as they walked up the street. Isn't it a shame how we, have how we have digressed into such a culture that we automatically assume things? You can't even be normal. It's hardly to show a normal relationship with the same sex anymore. What do people want to say? We need prayer. I will say that. We need prayer, so much prayer in our own country that we'd return to biblical mindset. Let's continue on. A faithful husband, a sober-minded, Sober-minded uh, would be be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, etc. Sober-minded uh, would be the idea of uh, they bear a heavy responsibility, uh, caring for the church of the living God. They take it seriously. Now, it doesn't mean they're not devoid of humor. I really enjoyed Ron's uh, part of the service on Monday. Uh, I didn't know Pastor Wayne called him a dirtbag. bag. But Dirtbag was his name for Ron. Hello, dirt. And so uh, we were standing waiting for the casket to come out, and we're this, the pallbearers and I were standing there. And I said, I, Mr. Ball, I don't think I'm ever going to call you Dirtbag. And Joni's husband said, I think that's pretty much a one-person thing. Uh, yeah, I said, yes. So uh, <laughs> Pastor Wayne could call him that. And it was a term of endearment by the end, maybe not at first. But at the end, uh, and so, so a sense of humor. I can see Pastor Wayne even now that little little sideways smile. He tells a joke, a, a really you know a really corny joke, and he'd smile with it. But I've told corny jokes and smile about it. So, but sense of humor is okay. But also, but we get serious about serving God, the Scripture, the ministry, personal holiness. I think that's part of what the deacons to do. Uh, that's part of the characteristic. Self-controlled. Uh, they should be. Practicing self-control, they would be not flying off the handle, etc. That's one thing about Pastor Wayne, he always was the same. He wasn't up here, wasn't down there, he was just, just like that every time. So he was the same, every time you meet him, he was about the same. And so self-control, and I, I, we know, we all know he suffered through a lot of physical disc- and, and discouraging things. This last year, He, I call it existing not living, and so when he was so laid aside, he was more just. And he was, but he was cheerful every time he would just he would smile at me. And even though he may just wake him up the last few times that he was able to be we able to talk, etc., he was this. He was self controlled, and he was the same. Hospita- hospitable hospitality is uh, mentioned as a, qualif- is mentioned a qualification for bishops, while it's not repeated necessarily for the deacons. I think it's something that we all should be as Christians. We should be hospitable. It should be a virtue of the deacon. Uh, question six, page 113, what does genuine hospitality reveal about a deacon or any Christian? Genuine hospitality. What? That she really cares. Not just a number. We just want your social security number. We don't care anything about, about you. Just give me your number and go on. It's a genuine openness of heart and home. They should be doing that. So that's the qualifications. Next are the functions of deacons. Functions of deacons and I like this. Uh, first of all is a negative. I like the way it, not the negative part, but I like the way it divides up here. Again, this is where he jumps on, it talks about the deacon board, which put that aside. Uh, negatively, that they are not governors or rulers of the church. They do not constitute even a board. A board is a governing body that has the authority to make binding decisions on behalf of an organization. So when you say the board. Then the uh, board of directors—that's uh, the people, that's the ones the owners really answer to. Sometimes is board of directors. I'm not sure how Mark Zuckerberg—he's probably the chairman of the board of directors. I don't know, but they're ultimately a corporation. You're going to have to answer to the chairman of the or, or to the board of directors. At a Baptist church, really though, the decision-making authority is for the congregation. Now they may delegate things to the deacons and to the pastor for them to do, but ultimately they can really they can have the. They, withhold the uh, ability to uh, I don't call officers of the church to account, if you want to say it that way. So maybe it would be the deacons or the chairman of the deacons, the deacon chair, etc. So if you shift that language away from the deacon board, I think it would be advantageous. Why? Because it's right here. Because of the maid, that's what we do. We're a to serve. Whether you're a deacon or not, or, or whatever, we are to serve, and but the, specifically if we're going to be a, serve in that capacity, we are to be servants of others. That's the negative side. Let's, let's jettison this idea of ruling over as a board of people. Let's go to a positive model. Servants. Let's turn with me, please, to Acts chapter 6 now. Acts chapter 6. This is... And some would say this, these are not even deacons here, but it would seem many would say this are these are the first deacons possibly mentioned in Scripture. Even if you don't say that, I think we can see some principles found for the leaders of the church here. And in those days, Acts 6, 1, when the number of the de- disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the 12 called a multitude of disciples unto them and said, Is it not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables? Wherefore, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We see the men picked out there, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, etc. So in a positive way, they are servants uh, what of responsibilities, they would be a distribution a distri- distribution of the benevolent fund, we might say, administrative to the material needs of the widows, especially uh, uh, all widows in the church earlier on. Uh, we find in that they, are, they also carry forth matters of business. Deacons do that kind of thing, et cetera. Uh, treasury, and, and et cetera, those kind of being a treasurer, et cetera, whatever those different types of things taking care of the facilities. So they are also not only servants, they are facilitators and managers, Mm-hmm. so if you look up here we see the a positive model is the pastor and a congregation and then the deacons servants they serve needs manage material affairs influence spirituality liberates the pastor to excel in spiritual oversight so they are helpful to it's not just serving the pastor in new jersey when we first went to hackensack in 1986 we joined first baptist church and it was a good-sized church anyway they had it All the deacons, it was called the Deacon Care Program, and you were assigned a particular deacon, and that deacon was watching over you. And I remember when we had a 1983 Ford Mercury Cougar and it seized up, the oil pump quit, and the motor seized, and so we had to get some help from the deacon fund to, to get that. And so you, you tell your deacon, and he would meet with the deacons, and they would, et cetera, try to help you. But that's deacon care program, and that's the idea here of helping not just the pastor, but others in the church. Uh, they also take care of the church's legal matters, record keeping, uh, like the, uh, church clerk et cetera, might be a deacon, et cetera, those different types of things. And so that's what they would do on behalf of the church. Uh, let's see, Uh, interesting, I'm on page 115. Such influence is not wrong. Now, as the deacons do more and more ministry, the pastor can become a little bit, hmm, I don't want to lose. But see, the pastor should not grasp for influence, but rather should aim to distribute it as widely as possible throughout the church. When influence is clutched, it chokes and dwindles. When it's shared, it multiplies, and the overall energy of the congregation blossoms. So that is it. Whenever you're in your business or in your work, if you're trying to control, I remember that earlier, even I'm not going say too much because you might know the person, but they did not want to let go of certain things where I was working at a financial institution because they did not want someone else to have that job. So if we are working together, serving together, and if you see something he's done, just step up and do it, etc., that kind of thing. I may not sweep like you want it swept, or et cetera. But we just, we're trying, working together to do and serve the Lord together. And that's part of what it is. If you're going to try to hold everything into yourself, we can't, we can't grow. God can't give things into hands that are already full. So we empty our hands and He allows us to give us the, we're just to be a conduit. God gives to us and we pass on to someone else. So the, the, the idea is not to control, but to facilitate their helpers and their servants, first to the congregation and then to the pastor. Continuing on, then there is deacon training. There's servants, facilities, managers, deacon training. If the pastor wants the deacon to uh, learn, etc., the deacons here at our church, I believe, are far more trained in many areas than I am. And so uh, we don't have a training session. And so they train me on some things. And so, but we're working together. Perhaps you wanted to groom someone, to mentor someone, to become that. Then you might sit down and train them to be those kind of things. Uh, a spiritual leadership, I think that is so important. Part of the spiritual leadership uh, to serve in that capacity, and uh, fourthly, and finally, I think it is close to finally, uh, deacons and other offices. Deacons should not replace the pastor. So we have a church that's growing. So the past have one pastor and two or three deacons, and then a the church starts growing. So rather than We've got 500 people. The pastor's struggling to keep, let's just get some more deacons rather than have adding all the pastoral staff. So the deacons are not to replace the pastor, neither the pastor to replace the deacons. I think both of them are important. We look back to the Timothy, how are you going to do the church where you're going to have a bishop, at least one. You don't have to have more than one, I don't think there. And then you're going to have some deacons, at least two, plural, to help you in the ministry. And that helps the church to function and to go forward. So they should not replace the pastor, I do not believe. On page 117, question 13, why might a church refrain from calling a second pastor? Well, we don't want to tie up the salary and benefits, number one. We don't want to do that. This guy, let's just keep loading him on so that way he can just then expire but only paying one salary. There have probably been some churches do that. You're just the opposite. You care very much for my wife and I and so much appreciate that. Perhaps they don't want to Take the risk of adding a second pastor because the one works so well with what you have. So there could be a lot of reasons why they don't want to step out and to add another pastor, etc. But we should, to make the church run smoothly, I think I said last week, maybe 150. Once you go beyond 150, and you need to start looking for another, pas- uh, another pastor to help support the one you have. A an approximate number. And finally, non-deacons should not comprise non-deacons should not replace the deacons. Deacons have a ministry to fill. Uh, if you're on page 117, I found this actually was quite informative. I did not know the reason why. There are, there are two offices, the pastor and deacon, but there are other offices within a church. Not, not wrong to have other offices. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, the first thing I thought of was trustees. If you're on 117, uh, an example of a humanly, humanly invented office is that of trustee. Now, many churches choose to incorporate and a corporation who legally must appoint trustees. And so I didn't know that, and so that's part of why some churches have trustees. In itself, that's not a problem. For what trustees are supposed to do legally is exactly the kind of things the deacons are supposed to do biblically, or if they're just deacons, the deacons do both. So you don't have to have trustees. But if you do have trustees, I would say there's one thing, that, and the book is very clear about this. If you're going to have someone that, that's the same qualifications... If you do that, you don't have to have that qualifications. Say, that's qualifications. The same qualifications. If you do that, fine and dandy. But the church, I don't think, is supposed to look like perhaps the owner of mm, the owner of uh oh, some big huge corporation cards coming to our church. Oh, well, he'd make a good trustee because he's got he's, look at his companies, how good they're doing. That's not the idea. The idea is if you desire the office of a deacon, he would be a deacon, The same, a trustee, because you are serving that same capacity. So some churches do not have that. Some people see that as a, not the same qualifications, so you can slide in someone who may not have the spiritual qualifications because they have the financial qualifications. I think you're going to be struggling with that eventually down the road. So as long as you have the same qualifications, not a problem. Say, like, with a Sunday school superintendent, or, or that's not bad to have one of those. We have one of those uh etc me right now so but it should be fall into that same category if you're gonna have someone in that position have pick someone who's either deacon or trustee etc or someone who's already that right here so those are just the, I, that's why some churches have trustees and why others do not i did not know that part about if you're incorporated you're supposed to have trustees thoughts or questions hmm Uh mainly because he was the one that took care of if something broke or something outside needed done they called on him. Uhhuh. And I don't know how many of them how many trustees That's typically trustees are facility oriented. financially you know, they could marry the possibly the finances. Deacons would typically be people oriented. But what it's saying here in the book, if you're going to have that, which is fine, make sure that you should keep, though, the same qualifications and not to lower. The bishop, elder, pastor, overseer is the the pastor. The deacon is the one who is the diakonos, a a servant to serve. They, They serve the church. They're not the pastor. I don't know. I've never heard of a deacon being paid that I know of. It's just an office. Really, it's just an office to serve. That there's the word bishop means a lot of different things in different denominations. In the Bible, it means you, it's the pastor, the elder, the shepherd, the overseer, episkopos. are all one office, several names. If you believe in elder rule, then you have a teaching elder and an over possibly I don't know an executive pastor elder. But I believe the office of elder bishop pastor. Is all in one and the same. But there are a lot of Methodist church, I believe, has bishops, and then, of course, bishops, and we have popes, a pope. Well, we have two or three popes alive now, at least two alive now, I think. Uh, But in the Bible, it's like saints. In the Bible, saints always refers to believers. But other denominations, specifically the Roman church, has taken that to mean conflated to a lot more than just that. Yes. Yes, you've got to, there's three or four things you've got to go through, be dead 50 years, have some kind of miracle, have done some great, I forget all the, there's two or three four qualifications to be a saint. Or you can believe what the Bible says, Paul said, to the saints at Rome. We're going to finish a minute early, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for uh, the deacons we have at our church here, one sick tonight. I pray that you'd be with Brother Bud at home. Bless our church that we would go forward and work together for your cause uh, of, of service. Whatever our position is in our church here, it involves service. And, Lord, we need to be humbly serving. Make me a servant. I think Ron Hamilton wrote that. And that should be all of our mindset. Lord, you help us to work together. Give us safety as we go home. Bring us back again to hear from your word on Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.